Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here this afternoon with Rob Schrumpf. Hello, everyone. And um, Rob, you um, preached this past Sunday at Covenant Church. Normally, you are not a part of our church, and so we we're thankful that you were willing to come and um, and preach to us on Sunday and be a part of our community for it. A, a day. Absolutely. It's um, always a, a an honor and pleasure to be with the folk, good folks at Covenant. And uh, I mentioned this on Sunday, but we just have uh, a real affinity for you all. Mm-hmm. Appreciation for um, how you do church, how you live it out. And, um, and we're part of the David and Sharon Henderson fan club. And so. (laughs) (sighs) Well, good. We're glad that you could be with us. And Sunday, um, you graciously preached a part of our sermon series, which is called Seven Summits, um, Elevating Our Worship Life. And you focused in on worship preeminently was the title. And based on Luke 10, Verses 38 to 42. And I have to say, Rob, how much I appreciated how you started your sermon. That the title of the sermon is talking about seven summits, but worship is about more than the summit experience. Right, right. Yeah, I I see this a lot with college students, but I think it's true of, of every generation that um, there is a desire for the worship experience mm. and sometimes an, an elevation of that experience over the, the day-to-day with Jesus. And so, um, sorry, I am getting notifications all over the place. I thought I blocked them, but oh no, my, my apologies for that. <laughs> Um, and so to really be able to, uh, not devalue those experiences, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times we have students that go to like a, a, a passion conference or, you know, some, some big kind of worship event, the first night of school, actually the first night of classes each year, we have uh, a campus-wide worship event on Slater Hill and mm. see hundreds of, of people coming together to worship is there's something about that that is really, really powerful. But I was actually at a passion conference one time and Beth Moore was speaking in mm-hmm. uh, tens of thousands of college students just going for it. And she said, does the worship does your worship in your dorm room have the same sort of passion that your worship does in Mm. an arena full of 50,000 people? And that was, I think, super convicting. It's like, are, are we living for this 
mountain high type experiences, spiritual high experiences, mm -hmm. or are we really, um, that's why I love the, the brother Lawrence case study, right. um, yeah. God of the pots and pans that we are practicing the presence of God in the seemingly mundane that suddenly become extraordinary because we are in the presence of the King of the universe. And so oh, yeah. we have an attentiveness to his presence um, mm -hmm. when we're taking the kids to school and cleaning the toilet and <laughs> cleaning uh, up dog poop. <laughs> yeah. Two 30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, as a mom, you know, when I was a mom of young children, I always thought I was, I, I felt like I was failing because I wasn't having that worship experience every morning. I, there was no, there was no time or space for that right. quiet time. Or, you know, I could sit down. It didn't matter what time I got up. I could get up at 5 a.m. and my children were up at 5.03. It was yeah. like, oh, mom's up. And I'm like, God, how can I have a quiet time with you? How can I have a devotion time with you, with all of these children? And, and I felt like he said, you know, I understand. Yeah. And having your devotion time with all those children is good. Yeah. Because you're, sh you're showing them an example of what it means to meet with me. And and you're living your faith out in front of them. And that's what I want you to do. Right. Even when they're interrupting your prayer time, even when they're interrupting your reading time, even when they're asking distraction questions. Yeah. God calls us into relationship and mm -hmm. relationships are a bit messy. <laughs> and they're, they're not uh, usually scheduled. You know, so there is something to, yeah, uh, in our in our spiritual formation, there is something to for spiritual disciplines and to have mm -hmm. time set aside and blocked out. That's a big rock, right? That we want yes. to first. But what about in the interruptions? And what about when our kids are having a meltdown or we're having a meltdown? <laughs> you know, what? Where is where is God in those moments? And, mm -hmm. and so if, if it is practicing his presence in the midst of everything, there is a, what a gift that is to mm -hmm. have a backstage pass to the, to the king of the universe at every minute of every day. Yeah. And, and so to be attentive to that, I think is, is a gift. It is a gift. And you, um, so you walked through the three people in this passage in Luke 10, Mary, we have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. We have Martha coming in from the kitchen saying, Jesus, tell her to help me. And then we have Jesus saying, mm, no, Mary's doing what she needs to be doing. And, um, one thing that I so appreciated, Rob, about your sermon was um, that you fleshed out Martha. We didn't just see Martha in Luke 10, where she's at the, her wit's end. 
and and trying to direct Mary's life. Like Mary needs to be doing what I'm telling her to do, what I need, you know, what I need her to be doing. Um, but you flushed her out into this this real woman who this was a turning point, perhaps one a turning point in her relationship with Jesus, her understanding of who He created her to be, and how he, she could practice His presence, even in the kitchen. And, and she became a woman of faith. Yeah, I think Martha gets vilified uh, far too often. Or we, you know, I had people raise their hand if they if they uh, associated with with Martha, if they could relate. Mm-hmm. And there were quite a few hands that go up. And I, th- I think there's a an element of shame attached to that, right? Mm. <clears throat> and, so we either want to defend Martha. <laughs> it's right. like um, she's feeding Jesus, you know. Or, <laughs> she's uh, doing good work, right? Or we want to shame ourselves. Of you know, I'm more prone to go to the kitchen than I am to really sit at the feet in stillness, mm. the feet of Jesus. And, and so I, uh, I, I'm a paradoxical kind of both and um that's kind of a stripe of of theology that a perspective a lens that i look at a lot of things through and so Mm -hmm. i think there's always room for nuance in scripture and most uh, intent to not make characters disney-esque you know, where mm. everything is black and white, cut and dried, you're good or bad, you know, and there, there is no room for uh, a complex character. Mm. And so in Martha, we have this complex character. We don't know a ton about her. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know that, that she was a dear, dear friend of Jesus. And and she was hospitable, which in that culture was incredibly important. I mean, someone came in your house, you were obligated to feed them, to care for mm-hmm. them. So mm-hmm. she was doing her obligation. And so it, Jesus's word to her that Mary has chosen what's, what's better. She, there's one thing that is needed mm. in the midst of the, the many things that are, are vying for attention. I think that was stretching for her. And, and so the John 11, where she makes this incredible statement of faith mm-hmm. and she goes to Jesus and then John 12, she's back in the kitchen and that's all that's said about her. It just says right. Martha was in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, so it's not, again, it's, it's not this, black and white kitchen bad living room good scenario right it is how are we really adoring um being attentive to jesus whatever room we're in yes yes and the yeah the one thing the seek first and the fix our eyes on jesus like i just keep thinking about um, your illustration of look in my face. Mm. And, you know, when we say that to our children, look in my eyes, they can't, they look, look everywhere, but our eyes. And the, I mean, in fact, just 
just this past week, the week before this sermon, I was saying to my husband, like, sometimes I just can't stand all the attention. Like, just stop looking at me. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh. And and sometimes, I th- so then your sermon made me think, like, is this how I feel about, about Jesus? Like, okay, no, I don't, I don't need all the attention. Don't look at me. And I don't really want to look at you. I just want to focus on doing for you and not being with you. Yeah, I immediately, when I read that passage, I think of our kids when they're little, right? In there, there is a, well, my, my wife is this incredible woman who uh, she's, she's done, done a lot of work just in, uh, she's doing a whole thing now with um, story-based trauma care, mm. nar- narrative-based tra- trauma care, but mm-hmm. we have an adopted son. And so uh, she, especially, and then I kind of live vicarious through, vicariously through her, but she's done a, a ton of reading about attachment. In, mm. uh, and um, so that's a whole nother podcast, but what she says is so attachment basically the especially the first 10 months 12 months mm-hmm. of life is so important for a child to attach to the caregiver and and what is wired you know in the brain at mm-hmm. that point is can i trust this person to care for me or not mm. and so our our son was severely neglected as an infant and so um so what got wired in him was i can't trust anyone except myself and so when we got him he would rock himself to sleep Hmm. really want to be held he would burp himself i mean he was dependent as a 10 month old upon himself because he couldn't Hmm. trust the caregiver Hmm. so she says my wife says we all have some semblance of attachment disorder right we all have have trust issues when it comes to um to one another but also to to our lord and and so jesus is is inviting martha into to trust him right she's he's inviting Mm. her to come close he's inviting her to to do what mary's doing look in my eyes that is uh that kind of of facial recognition that kind of of attunement really comes out of a place and a heart of of trust and Mm. and so even in that statement jesus is saying you Martha, you can, you can trust me. You're worried about many things, but only one thing is needed, you know? Mm-hmm. Speak first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be added. Mm-hmm. It's, not like, it's not like he is dismissing all of the other needs or even the desires. Mm. But what is the initial thing? What is the one thing? What is the first thing? C.S. Lewis talks about first things and second things. He says, if we get the order right, the second mm. things kind of take care of themselves. You know, they, they are added in. 
Hmm. We have to have make first things first things. We have to have big rocks be big rocks. We have yeah. to go after the one thing and not be consumed and distracted by the many. Hmm. Yeah. That and was I, a, a lot of verbiage there, but well, but the the <clears throat> trust, right? And and I think a part of trust is vulnerability. And mm-hmm. when we are busy, we don't have to be vulnerable. Right. And so if we are wanting to hide from ourselves or hide from God, we're not willing to be still or to sit at his feet because it brings up all of these anxieties or fears or shame or emotion that we just don't maybe want to deal with right now and don't trust ourselves, let alone Jesus with. Right. And I I think in the American church, you know, a a lot of times we, maybe it's worldwide church, but we, we know the American (laughs) church. Yeah. uh, We, we can over spiritualize our busyness. Oh yeah. Totally justify it. You know, we're doing the Lord's work (laughs) and, uh, He's saying, are you? (laughs) (laughs) Are you really? Yes. Oh, I remember being at my daughter's. um, We were at a at a college visit um, at a Christian college and they were they were having this little showcase of their musicians um, in their program. And this one, this one girl, young lady came out and she was singing the song about how God wants her to change the world. And I just, my heart broke, like Mm. quite literally it broke because I thought, but that's not what God is asking us to do. Like he's asking us to, to be with him and out of our being with him comes the doing for him. And guess what? Sometimes that's washing the dishes. Right. And sometimes it's changing a diaper and sometimes it's talking with your neighbor for those three hours that you had not scheduled in your day. And, um, and so that just remind I, your comment in the sermon, I want to do big things for God. I want to do many things for God. It's like, well, that's all about me. That's right. not about what Jesus is asking us to do. Right. Yeah. Jesus says, ah, I already did it. I already did the big thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's done. Yes. Oh, goodness. And I love your comment. God helps the helpless because they are helpless. Yeah. Not he helps those who help themselves. Yeah. I I think the, um, this is probably getting to the, to the end of the sermon where I said, don't just sit there. Mm -hmm. Don't just do something, sit there and don't just sit there, do something. I, I don't know if I mentioned this on Sunday, but I always think about like two funnels. Mm tied together you know glued mm-hmm. together and kind of the the many things funneling down to the one thing that is um i think part of this daily daily practice of of making sure that jesus is the one thing and uh, so there is a discernment process there's a the willingness to ask the question, um, what am I, what am I doing and, and why, who's mm. it for, 
what's underneath my my activity what's underneath my busyness what's underneath my um needing to to justify my worth or my identity or my spirituality or whatever through through my actions what's underneath that and to let the holy spirit really probe not just our actions but our motivations right Mm. so it's a funneling down jesus are you actually the lord of every part of my life not just the parts that i i am giving you at this moment right Mm. it's, it's taking away the compartmentalization of of our discipleship and it's like no if we're all in we are all in And if we're all in, then Jesus is Lord of everything. And so funneling down all of the components to the one thing of Jesus. And then inevitably, when he catches our gaze, you know, we, I'm really visual. And so like seeing, seeing the reflection in his eyes, Hmm. if I'm, you know, we're talking right now. And so it's like, seeing myself reflected in in your in your eyes but also seeing what else you're looking at uh-huh. <laughs> makes sense and so if we are gazing at Jesus then we're going to see ourselves the way he sees us Romans 12 talks about um, uh, think about yourself with sober judgment right? Mm, mm-hmm. Not thinking too highly of yourself, not thinking too lowly, debasing of yourself, but seeing mm-hmm. yourself as the beloved uh, image bearer that you are, mm-hmm. but also in the humility that we are con- completely dependent upon Jesus's salvific work, right? Yes. So seeing ourselves, but then we start to see what else he's looking at. And so he 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 expands our our purview mm. to actually see beyond our own our own bubble and our own self-centeredness and and so there's a a response to that that is a response of repentance but mm. also a response of the the upside down funnel where uh instead of the obstacles of many things we see the 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 many things that jesus is up to and he calls us to partner with him in that and so we have a partnership in this gospel but but it's not it's not this individualistic thing it is okay how that's where the body of christ comes in and that's where there is mutuality in this um uh this this deference if if i am not consumed with either self-promotion or self-justification or you know um my my own spiritual activity then if i am relinquishing all of that to the lordship of jesus if he's becoming my one thing then I am able to see myself more accurately the way he sees me, mm. but also see the world around me and see the needs 
and then see the body of Christ be the body of Christ together. And so mm. I think the, the Martha Mary word has something for each of us individually, mm-hmm. but um, it's, it's always a communal thing with Jesus, right? Mm. It always is. So in the same way that Paul throughout his letters, uh, every time he talks about you, it is a plural you. Mm-hmm. I, I think the same is true as the Holy Spirit brings up things throughout the gospels. It's like, okay, what, what does this mean for, what's this mean for me and my own propensities toward the kitchen? Uh, <laughs> but also how can we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, right? Yes. So. Yes. And, and, you know, David and I talk a lot about that paradox or living in that tension um, that you articulated in those two statements. Don't just do something, sit there and don't just sit there, do something that, that tension um, it's both and right. It's not either or. It is. Um, Yeah. yeah. I I think part of the looking under Mm -hmm. the, the, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to assess our hearts and our motivations mm-hmm. is, is looking at, you know, which side of the horse do I tend to fall off on? <laughs> the, the just always sitting there and never doing anything, or is it just always doing stuff and never sitting there? And, and most of us would fall into the latter category, but you know, there is something, you know, that I think even romantic about the monastic life. I just want to go mm. up on a mountain in a cave and a really well-stocked cave, you know, <laughs> with, yeah. with all the luxuries, but um, just, just Jesus and me, you know, right? and he is constantly pushing us back out the door and onto the streets. And yeah, so yeah. I think whichever way we're, we're kind of internally bent, um, mm-hmm. he is always calling us into the both and. Yes. Yes. And I think that is a great place for us to stop for today. Awesome. Um, and I'm just going to say what, I'm just going to read something that I wrote down in my notes that you referred to a little bit earlier, Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God in every moment, in every task. Um, I think that's an encouragement to me that work has to be done. And it doesn't mean that I do that work outside of the presence of God. Right. Right. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rob. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Appreciate Um, you all. Yeah. So um, thank you. And thank you to our audience. (laughs) I almost forgot to thank you to our audience for joining us, whether you joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. We are thankful you took a few minutes out of your day to spend time with us and um, have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm